Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Q, it's 11 and 15. Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new inventory, the best. Fabulous pre-owned inventory. They go through that 164-point inspection. That's why that's the Sunbury Motors guarantee right there. And your budget is always going to be important to them. That's why they have so many repeat customers. They have great customer service. It means everything to them. It's old Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Peter King, final half hour. From NBC Sports and Neil Kulong in a moment. First, our play-by-play call of the day. Steph Curry stays on a roll. Curry, another three. Bang! Steph Curry does it again. Curry magic working here in Philadelphia. Curry behind the back. Drives, pulls back, puts up a three. Bang! Nine three-pointers. In the shooting zone like very few have ever been. It's lasted 11 games. The incomparable Mike Breen with the call last night as the Sixers uh, lost to the Warriors as uh, Steph Curry had another phenomenal night. He only got 10 threes last night. I always thought Larry Bird was the greatest shooter I ever saw. Boy, Curry is... (laughs) Curry is really special. Man, he's special. Uh, by the way, a couple quick other basketball notes. John Hare, of course, going back to Penn State. Kofi Coburn of Illinois declared for the NBA draft, along with Io DeSumo. Miller Kopp is leaving Northwestern. He's going to Indiana. So we thought we'd pass that along to you. All right, with that, we bring in the uh, our prince of football, Neil Kulong. Sir, welcome. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. As usual, we are thrilled to have you. Mike Tomlin, three-year contract uh, extension with the Steelers. Probably not a surprise, but your thoughts? Um, if, if I were to look back, I would think that um, typically in the past, they've announced these extensions a little closer to training camp. Um, to do that ahead of the draft, um, I'm not, I don't know, I'm probably reading too deeply into it, but it almost seems like um, Tomlin might want some security because of the direction they're planning on going in this draft. And that, that doesn't surprise me because I don't think they have a roster that, that really can go out and, and be competitive like the way that it has been uh, the last couple of years. I, I think this is something that it probably is a two-year rebuild. I think they have too many holes uh, right now. They're, they're in the very unfortunate position of drafting uh, pretty low in the first round, considering the amount of holes that they now have on their roster. So I, I think this is kind of a call it a, a two off season rebuild, and this is just the first of two drafts that they're going to need to get back. So it, for for Mike to have that level of security, kind of suggests that you know you're you're free to do what you need to do in this draft or what's best for this team uh, through the tenure of your contract, more so than win now or you're out of here. We're not going to give you an extension. So I I, I think if we are going to go deeply into it, it does suggest 
uh, the security here is, is kind of an issue for the team uh, and the decisions that they're going to make for the, the remainder of what I think is going to be probably a mediocre at best team uh, that they'll put on the field this year. The Steelers have have put themselves into what I call the Atlanta Hawks position. And now, I mean, I'm doing this now based on recent history. Where the Hawks usually were a team that were good enough to be the 7th or 8th seed in the East. Uh, were good enough sometimes to extend somebody to a 7th and deciding game, but couldn't get any further than that. Maybe went around, but usually exit deep in, you know, in the first round. But also mean that they weren't good enough to be in the lottery. Steelers are drafting 22 to 27 almost every single year. How do you view you know the fact that they've been good enough to be there but not good enough to go anywhere with it? I, I view it like most uh, good to very good teams in the NFL. I mean, it, it, only one team can win a championship. And unless Tom Brady is on your roster, it's not usually the same team. So it, it's, uh, it's a race to that top spot. There are a lot of things that go into it that are not necessarily – the draft. I mean, I was just thinking in my head not too long ago, if you want to dive into the quarterbacks, I mean, if you look at Peyton Manning, number one overall, he won one championship as one overall. Then he won a second championship in his worst season of his career, uh, the last game that he ever played, as a free agent signing. So it, it, there, there are multiple ways that you can build a roster. And in my opinion, you need to be able to hit on all of those. It, it's not any one thing. Um, in, in a manner of speaking, um, the, the, the Thaler report proved really co- uh, concurrently that uh, having the most picks that you can have is really the only sure way to, to bump your capital in the draft. Yep. Otherwise, having a higher pick in the first round is better than a lower pick. But top to bottom, uh, financially, it's scattershot. It really is kind of everywhere. Teams tend to kind of draft uh, correctly, if you will. They're, they're going to take the right guys in the right spots over a, a long period of time. And the Steelers tend to be pretty good at that, definitely better than, than not. Uh, they can get a good player at 24. They're just not going to get a player um, you know, who's, who's likely to be on par with, say, four overall. Um, from there, it's a breakdown of position. It's a breakdown of need. And that, that's when you get what I think are kind of um, – they're, they're, they're offshoot kind of years like this where you're drafting 24 and your roster looks more like 12. So they, they really have a tough spot with this draft. Um, not that one draft is going to make your, your championship team anyway. I mean, if you look at the, the Buccaneers, they built their championship largely in free agency and sure. pass draft. Right. So development. It's not as if you get to freeze the player in carbonite when you draft him at, at four overall and he stays the same guy every single year. He's got to develop. You've got to build him into the player that, that you're hoping that he's going to be. And I'd imagine Jason Lick of, of the Buccaneers it looks at the player they're going to draft and says, who's he going to be in three years? That's what we're drafting. It's not the guy that's going to come in for us immediately and play a thousand snaps. There are some who do that, but it's not really all that common, certainly not in comparison to, to the rest of his draft class. So where the Steelers are, um, they, they need to be very deliberate and very careful with who they're looking to take at 24. But in two, three years, uh, 55 overall is going to be just as valuable as 24 is in, in terms of the need that that player is going to fill. They, they need to address a lot of different things this season. and They're simply going to run out of talent before they'll run out of need. And that, that's an unfortunate place to be. Uh, but that's really kind of the, the, the situation that they're in that's um, – dictated to them through a variety of different reasons. Um, I was just thinking of, of how 
you know, it, we're really we're talking about running back and, and interior offensive line, center in particular, as, as their biggest needs. And this is a team that lost two cornerbacks in the offseason, two starters. Mm-hmm. Uh, at what point are you addressing that? I mean, it, it's it, there are a lot of things that they have to do. Um, to me, that kind of I don't want to say it, it, it reduces the value of their first round pick, but their first round pick is not going to make or break the team for the next couple of years. I mean. It, how about this? If it does have me on in three years and rip me for it, but I, I don't think whoever they take in 24 overall is going to be the difference in this team's multiple right. Super Bowl championships in the middle of this decade. You know, right. it just statistically that that's just not going to happen. But um, they can certainly get a good player. So really, it just you know, be smart, uh, allow the talent to kind of speak for itself, and don't overthink it. Don't try to to make right. two picks with one. Don't try to, to worry about what's going to be next. Take the guy that you need who's there. Take the guy that you want to have on the team, not the position, um, not the name. Take right. the, the, the player that you feel is going to best benefit you right away, and they'll be all right. The position that they're in, though, they don't get as good a selection of that as a lot of other teams will, and that's just the nature of it. From there, a lot of it is, is going to depend on uh, internal improvement, which is really what they're going right. to need uh, in many cases, considering how thin their roster is. Well, you know darn well I wouldn't rip you anyway. So <laughs> I think you're in pretty safe territory here. Sure. I mean, but see, but my issue is not that you draft 22 to 27 every year. You're drafting 22 to 27 in every round. Uh, and yeah, see, and that to me, and I agree with you. Draft the best player available. Okay, I, I am in total agreement with that. Be- draft the best player available. But at some point, the Roethlisberger run's going to end, and I think at some point, you, you, I, quarterback. You and I both know quarterbacks are overvalued in the draft. It, they just are. Uh, but you can see that the end is near here. And are you fooling yourself that you're still a contender because he's still there? I, I would say this honestly. I, I think they're ten miles north of that position. I think the Roethlisberger era is over. I think this is his farewell tour. I, I think it, it's ostensibly they're preparing for life after Roethlisberger. That's what this is. Uh, it's just this isn't going to be in, in their, their hypothetical two-year rebuild. This isn't the year that they're going to address uh, a, a quarterback. I think this year is let Roethlisberger do his thing. You know, you're, you're going to have a reasonable starter at worst. Um, Rudolph obviously is not your guy. You're not looking to pay him more next season if, if you wanted to bring back to this season, uh, bring Ben back to this season. Their quarterback, maybe it's Dwayne Haskins. They signed Josh Dobbs with the idea probably of of pushing Haskins for that roster spot, not letting somebody with a a reputation of not working very hard just coast into the the third-string job, knowing that he's going to compete next year for a starting position. Um, All these things kind of seem to to suggest they're looking more for next year for the quarterback position. They need to bolster what's around him right now. Um, Whoever that quarterback is next year, it's not going to be Ben Roethlisberger. That's that's a a foregone conclusion. Uh, They're moving on as best they can. This is just really kind of they're swinging the car around before they can drive forward again instead of the, the sort of reverse act that they took last year, uh, giving him the, the, the partial extension to keep him in place, to keep a team together, to, to, to really try to make one more year uh, run at another championship. That, that didn't work out as well as they would like. I'm sure uh, they're saddled with a pretty hefty cap charge with Roethlisberger or without him, so you may as well keep him let him finish out his career the way that he said this this was the year he said he wanted to end it so uh, that works out for everybody they need to rebuild um 
the other parts that are around him. And to your point, very well said about the fact that you're drafting, you know, 21 to 27 in every single round. That that's where you get into trouble when you start saying, well, you know, a running back shouldn't be taken in round one because you can get one in round two. 33 overall yeah. is vastly different than 55 overall. Mm-hmm. They're in the same round. Last year, uh, the Steelers picks this year, 24 overall and 55 overall rounds one and two. Last year, there were five running backs taken from 24 to 55. So the Steelers theoretically have a chance at one and five on that list Right. if, if they're doing the same thing this year. Do you need a running back badly this year? Yes. In case you haven't noticed, they have the worst running back room in football. They average three and a half yards a carry. Mm-hmm. You can't draft a scheme. You can't draft five offensive linemen. You can't draft a line as a whole. So you need components to this. When you break it down, the best player available at a position of need, which is what teams do, that that's the big asterisk on all this. In, in some way, shape, or form, they're always going to say they're taking the best player who's available. They're focusing on certain positions. That filter has to be in place in order for them to be able to make a decision. The best player available at a position of need most likely is going to be a running back. That is one of several positions that they need to address. If that's the best one who's there, you have to take it. Again, this is not a one-pick draft. You have a lot of other picks that you need to make, and you'll apply the same mentality uh, when you're drafting in the second round and the third and the fourth and so on. They have a lot of holes to fill. It has to be a pretty extensive plan uh, in order to get talent in place to to field the roster. They still only have, I think, 29 players signed for next year. Right. They have 90 on the offseason roster. They're, they're 61 players short. They, they have a long way to go to assemble next year's team. So you look at that, they're, they're going to draft guys that probably can contribute something, but more than anything, they can count on being making the team this year and probably next year as well. So with that, you, you can kind of see how their matrix you know shapes up as far as how they're going to make the decisions that they're going to make. And with that, they're at the disadvantage of being at the back end of every single round, assuming they don't trade up, which I don't know if they really have the scratch to be able to do that. They need picks. Um, They they need guys. They just need to make smart picks in each of these rounds uh, to address needs. And with that, you're going to get some that maybe aren't all that great. Um, That's the risk of the draft. But at the same time, you didn't draft all that high in 2017, and you, you have a dynamite draft. Um, in, in the making. If James Conner is by far the worst of the first four players that you drafted, you've done a pretty good job. All those players are still in the NFL. That doesn't happen all that often. Uh, through four, four, your first four picks, all of them making it to year five of their career is pretty impressive. Um, I thought from what, we, what we've seen of it so far, without a first-round pick, they have a reasonable draft uh, from last year. Um, part of that is sacrifice due to the Devin Bush trade. You had to give up capital for that. They're, they're away from that now. They've got eight picks in this draft. I think they're on, on pace right now for 10 next year. That's where they need to be, and they need to make the most of it. They probably have a more valuable draft next season rather than this season. And for now, they, they've just got to start plugging whatever hole as best they can that they have both this year and next year. So now here's the next question. Uh, then put your finger on the pulse of the Steeler fan base. Uh, the Steeler fan base has had a phenomenal run for 50 years. Right? Think about it. 50 years. Right? From 71 to 2021. What kind of run? You can't ask for a better run than that. Than what they've had. You know, there have been six Super Bowls in there, deep runs, AFC Championship games, the whole deal. Can this fan base 
endure a couple of really bad years, in their opinion, in order to then get the draft capital to rebuild it? Um, it may, they may have to. I'll, I'll say that first and foremost, because let, let's keep in mind that the biggest security blanket that the Steelers have had through Mike Tomlin's infamous never-had-a-losing-season statistic, which, by the way, is, is in, in great jeopardy this season, considering that you've got a, a, an unbalanced schedule. Agreed. That, that they're running the risk of that pretty yeah. highly, I think, probably more than any other season we've seen. Right. Um, it, it, it's going to be tough to be able to accept that, but the reality is sometimes you need to take a step back to take two steps forward. And the security blanket that Tomlin's had throughout that time was a really good quarterback most valuable position in sports played at a, a, a top five level most of the time in his career he was an excellent player he made up for all manners of sins they're not going to get that anymore we, we saw it last year when Roethlisberger was not good they lost and it, it often was ugly uh he didn't play well and they were able to overcome it a couple times right. their defense might be a little less this season might be um, I would guess to some degree it probably will be especially if you want to compare it uh, to the first four games of the season or at least up until uh, both Alulu and Devin Bush were down um, if, if that defense comes back and plays like it did like the way that we saw in 2019 and you have bad quarterback play you're, you're fighting for 500 um, and that, that's, a, that's pretty you know mediocre fans aren't going to be happy with that one more injury on that 2019 team, they wouldn't they wouldn't have won more than four games. Agreed. I, I'm convinced of that. Yep. Last year, if there was one more injury on defense, they would have they would have lost a lot worse than five out of six right. to end the year. That would have been more like seven out of eight, eight out of nine, something like that. Uh, they they were perilously thin for half of last season, at least. They're no different this year going into that. So the reality is, without the Superman heroics of of your quarterback. Um, I'm going to guess that running game will improve a little, but it's, it's not going to be, you know, dominant by any stretch. Without any of that on offense, you put all of your pressure on defense. And like they saw, they needed the things to go perfectly last year. Uh, and it didn't. And they still won their first 11 games. But right. when it got bad, it got bad in a hurry. Keep in mind that this was a team that was averaging legitimately 27 points a game, meaning they scored at least 27 points in their first eight or nine games, something like that. Right. Maybe not that many, but they had an offense that scored points until they didn't. And then it just died. Then it was like accident when they moved the ball. Um, it, it, it fell apart to the point where they only averaged, I think, 16 down the stretch. Their offense completely tanked. And part of that is an injury to your quarterback. Part of it was people figured out that they can't run the ball no matter what they try to do. It, it's not too hard to beat them with the tight ends that they have, another position that's not going to be improved this offseason, by the way. Um, you, you put all that together, you put all of that pressure onto the defense. That has to stay healthy, and it didn't. And honestly, what happens to this defense if T.J. Watt gets hurt early on? This is a five-win team at best. Watt is that good of a player. He commands that much attention. If you're losing a player like that, he can't be replaced. I mean, clearly, there's no doubt about that. They're, they don't have the depth to even put an average player in that spot. You know, they, they don't even have a Clark Hagans on that side of the right. ball anymore. You, you're not able to repair uh, the, 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 the hole that's going to be dug because of that. So they're not far away from a disastrous season. So it, overall, uh, unless Roethlisberger turns back the clocks and, and, and he really you know puts himself into you know 2014 form again, 
their offense I don't think is going to move very well and all the pressure is on the defense that really is going to have to stay healthy they're not going to be particularly deep at, at a lot of positions keep in mind again they lost two cornerbacks this offseason um, you're not replacing that internally so your, your other solution is to put a rookie out there or sign a veteran who's not good enough to be signed yet so it, it, you don't have good uh, you don't have good options on in many aspects of this team to the point where their depth is compromised. One injury could really crush everything they're doing this year. Yeah, I think the last two years have been two of the better coaching jobs Mike's done, but my opinion. Uh, next week, we'll have a little fun with the draft. We'll talk about that as uh, I, I'm going to make you my first overall selection. <laughs> good, good. I want the contract. It's all guaranteed now. <laughs> well, and that's how we roll here. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. Neil Kulong, Peter King in the next half hour. The verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial is expected at the bottom of the hour, just a few minutes away. We'll come back with more. Derek Chauvin, by the way, is now in the courtroom. So he has arrived at the courtroom. We will come back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial is moments away in Minneapolis. Peter King will also join us in the next half hour to talk about the NFL. Lots to talk about. Donnie Collins is going to join us later in the week. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Jury deliberated for 10 hours. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Q Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Best new inventory, great pre-owned inventory. They go through that 164-point inspection every time. That's why you get the Sunbury Motors guarantee. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia. Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. The jury, by the way, has reached a verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial that's taking place in Minneapolis, but the jury is not back in the courtroom yet. All right, joining us now uh, from NBC Sports Football Morning in America, Peter King. Peter, welcome back. It's so great to have you with us. Hey, Steve, let's talk some football. There's nothing else going on in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's take that attitude for the next few minutes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's amazing. Uh, In Football Morning in America, uh, you opened up with Gil Brandt, who was – been around so many drafts in his lifetime. And he made an interesting point because obviously Micah Parsons of Penn State is in this opt-out area. Right. What did you think about his point about military service? Because when you and I were kids, we were aware that guys were in military service and then suddenly would be with a team after being out a year or two. What was your thought on that analogy he made? I had never thought of it that way, Steve. I thought it was really, really interesting. And to me, Gil is like um, Gil is like 
he's he's a library and you'd be stupid if you didn't check out the books occasionally you know and so every year around the time of the draft i always call him hey what do you think of this draft how is it i mean think about it this is the 86th nfl draft he has worked in some capacity on all but 19 of them and so you know you suddenly start to think okay a guy who's been around 65 years or so uh, is going to have some pretty good perspective. And his whole thought was that, you know, a lot of the military guys, when they would go off or, or have some service to do, uh, late 50s, early 60s particularly, very often they would come back and they wouldn't be the same player. Now, you obviously can't say that with Roger Staubach, who clearly right. is probably the most famous player of the last 60 years to have gone off for military service after winning the Heisman Trophy at the Naval Academy. Yeah. Uh, the Cowboys drafted him, and when he came back, he was a great football player. Um, so that clearly is is not the guy that Gill is talking about, but there were so many of them in those days, including a couple, at least, who were Bob Kalsu of the Buffalo Bills, yeah. uh, went to Vietnam and was killed. So, yeah. look... You know, there are, I think there are a lot of examples uh, the way Gil, uh, you know, that Gil refers to. And look, here's the other part of it, Steve. I, I think about Caleb Farley, okay? So today, as we sit here, Tuesday, April 20, it has been 504 days since Caleb Farley has played in a football game. Right. He's one of the best cornerbacks in this draft. And not only has he been inactive for that long, and all he's been doing is working out. But he had back surgery last month, and he's not going to be uh, given a clean bill of health until probably mid to late July. So, yeah. I mean, that's a lot to digest if you're an NFL team. So there are a lot of these guys. I think there are a total of, as I counted up, um, and I forget whose list it was, but I looked at the top 50 lists of his prospects, and... 11 of the top 50 opted out last year, either for full or part season. And uh, and that that doesn't even include Trey Lance, I mean, who only played one game and it was manufactured so that Trey Lance could play a football game last year uh, when North Dakota State played Central Arkansas. So I think it's something that you have to be concerned about, and it's one of the reasons why I think this draft is – I mean, I just don't think you can look at this draft the way you look at every other draft when you say, ah, 14th pick in the draft or, or whatever. Like the Eagles have the 12th pick. Oh, they're going to get somebody to help them right away. I mean, not only is that, you know, not necessarily true, but I think especially this year because of all the uncertainty. I remember when Micah opted out here in early August, I made the point then, which then goes to Gil Brandt's point, that – he will now go 19 months between playing games. And I'm talking about him playing the first preseason game. Yeah. It'll be the first game. And this is the same for all the opt-outs. They'll go 19 months between playing games. Now, Farley's a little different case out of Virginia Tech because now he has, obviously, back surgery to go with it. Micah hasn't had surgery. But that's my point. That's the great unknown. What does somebody look like after not playing for 19 months? Yeah, and I no one knows, and I think with different guys it'll be different. And you yeah. know, I, I was talking to one team the other day, and I said, you know, the amazing thing is all three 
of the top tackles, you know, in this draft. And that would be Panay Sewell, uh, number one, Rashawn Slater, number two. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it depends on how you, you really grade him, but uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, who's either a guard or a tackle from USC, those are the top three offensive linemen in this draft. And they all opted out last year. And one of the other things that happened, uh, they tried to get Rashawn Slater to play in the Senior Bowl, and he said, no, I, I haven't been, I'm not prepared to, to play in the Senior Bowl. So there's all kinds of things. Like, like one general manager said to me, you know, opting out is one thing, but then you have a chance to come in and show everybody who's forgotten you because you haven't played football in over a year what you are, and you say no to that, I can tell you, this general manager I was talking to about this last week said we will not be drafting Rashawn Slater. Not necessarily that we would anyway, but he's off our board. You know, because after that, so there's all of these things that teams never have had to think of before. All right, now let's get to the dominoes. And this was something yep. you brought up in your column, Football Morning in America, maybe a week or two ago when the TV contract was announced. There was a certain order the NFL wanted to be in. They wanted to get labor peace first, then go after the TV contract. Yep. People forget how narrow the margin was on the yes on the labor contract. Give us an idea exactly how narrow and what that meant to now the billions they're going to get over the next 10 years. Well, one of the things that Roger Goodell told D. Smith and the Players Union, uh, this would have been 15, 16 months ago, when they were negotiating uh, a new CBA, he said to him, listen, I can't go and talk to the television networks without labor certainty. And so if you give us labor, if we have labor certainty, you know, say for the next decade, we're going to be able to do great in our uh, media negotiations. And that was part of the reason that, uh, you know, I'm sure that D. Smith and, and at the time Eric Winston, uh, who was the outgoing president of the Players Association, that's one of the things that they knew. And I'm sure they pushed that, you know, with their players that, uh, you know, this is part of the deal. And, and so they voted in mid-March, you know, 13 months ago. And the vote... Uh, ended up being 1,019 to 969. It was in favor of the new CBA that will run till 2031. And what is so interesting about that to me is it says two things. Number one, a margin of 60 votes uh, total, you know, essentially is a margin of 1.9 players per team. So two players per team. Mm -hmm. The average locker room voted 32 to 30 in favor of this. Mm. So very narrow. And, and when you have 30 players on average on every team voting against the CBA, and now they have to deal with that over the next 12 years, essentially 11 years, I mean, there's a, there's a cost to that. It's one of the reasons why... You know, honestly, that we're uh, that the league is in the situation with the players, and so many of them say we're not coming to any of these workouts in the off season. They'll say it's because of COVID, and it's the game is safer if you don't have these workouts, which 
really is a bunch of bunk. But but I believe it all goes back to the 969 guys who are basically saying a uh, you know this is what you get for forcing this uh, labor agreement that we really that so many of us didn't want down our throats. And so I, that's that's probably not entirely fair. It isn't entirely fair, but I, I think that's what happened this time. And it's clear. There's no way the NFL would have gotten $113 billion in media uh, contracts <clears throat> starting in 2023 um, over a 10-year period. Just that would have never happened and uh, because they wouldn't have had labor certainty. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to play football, and it's going to be on TV mostly. And, you know, we'll all forget this, but that's what a lot of people around the league are talking about right now. It's amazing what the dominoes mean. I mean, that yeah. narrow to open the door to that many billion. All right, finally, yeah. on the rules, on the rules. Uh, I know I, I was talking with a couple of Big Ten officials the other day who were at a scrimmage here because you and I always have to keep up. What do they want to do? What do they want to emphasize? What does the NFL yeah. want to do with any rules, tweaks, especially when it comes to replay? Well, I think most, uh, I can tell you, everybody on the eight-member competition committee is in favor of giving the replay assistant upstairs a little more power. Uh, because as it is right now, um, the replay assistant in New York, uh, all of whom have the ability to have contact with the referee on the field during the game, you know, as of now, they've been very hesitant to call down and say, Oh my God! You just missed a, a blatant uh, guy. Guy's foot was out of bounds. Uh, you, you just missed that. You know, you guys should have a crew conference and you know uh, throw a flag for or you know put the guy out of bounds at that point. They haven't been willing to do that, and so in the three or four times every weekend where something is so obvious but it isn't called on the field because the refs on the field just missed it. Um, that's what they're trying to fix with giving the replay assistant upstairs more power to call down to the ref and say, you just missed an obvious, uh, you know, trapped ball on this play. And, Steve, normally you might say, okay, well, then the, the coach should throw a flag about, uh, you know, on that. Well, if he's either out of replay challenges or, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's in the last two minutes of a half, and all that, you know, you ought to be able to have a vehicle to, uh, the competition committee believes, you ought to have a vehicle to be able to fix obvious wrong calls. Now, I had thought, and so they're going to vote on this tomorrow, I had thought for sure that this was going to pass, but last week there started to be some negativity around the league after they had uh, a league uh, video conference call and people started asking questions about what exactly this means. And I think there's some owners that are, that are afraid and some club officials that are afraid that it could be a flag fest. Um, mm -hmm. And there could be just too much. And last year, Steve, you know, last year, the number of accepted penalties in a game was down to more than three penalties per game. I'm not, I don't think coaches universally love that, but I can tell you, executives, league officials, everybody, they absolutely love that. 
So they don't mind correcting obvious wrong calls, but the one thing they don't want to do is to open it up to have a spate of flags now. The one thing I think that will pass, though, is this rule that's going to make the number system look a lot more like college football. Um, right. As I wrote in my column, there's two Los Angeles Rams right now, Jalen Ramsey and Robert Woods, a cornerback and a wide receiver, who both very much want to wear the number two. And right. one of those two guys is going to win. <laughs> you know, One of those guys on that team <laughs> is going to wear number two next year. And right. until now, really, as as you know, you know, receivers had to be in you know between eleven and twenty or ten and nineteen rather, or uh, you know in the eighties. And now they're going to let receivers basically wear uh, you know a much different and a much wider variety of number than they've been able to wear in the past. That's okay. I broadcast games that usually have as many as. 10 to maybe 15 duplicate numbers. So <laughs> two yeah, fives, yeah. two twos, two tens. So, yeah. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, especially on such a busy day like today. Hey, no problem, Steve. Enjoyed it. You have a great week. Yeah, you have a great week too, Peter. Thanks. Peter King, Football Morning in America, NBC Sports. There is still uh, the the jury verdict has not been read yet in the Derek Chauvin trial. We will obviously have it for you live here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. When they announced about an hour ago there was a verdict, Matt and I were talking as to how we wanted to handle it. And I said, look, to be honest with you, Matt, I said, I said every time they announce there's a verdict in something, it just takes so long to organize everything. It says that we may be off the air by the time they do it. Well, guess what? We're getting close to being off the air. I think that's going to be the case, yeah. Yeah, so it will be during the news block that uh, they'll have the verdict for you. In Minneapolis, there are certainly hundreds of people waiting outside the courthouse. Uh, I believe it's the Hennepin County Courthouse awaiting the verdict of Derek Chauvin in the death of George Floyd. And uh, so we will wait for that. Uh, Donnie Collins is going to join us on the show later in the week. Looking forward to hearing from Donnie. It's great to have Peter on the show today. We were able to get into a little bit on the draft. You know, It's interesting about Gil Brandt. And he's absolutely right. Gil Brandt is the kind of resource who has had such great success 
Oh, now everything he hasn't done in the draft has been perfect, but great success in the draft, and he has also seen every circumstance. And something I brought up yesterday, when Vince Lombardi was in his one and only season as the head coach at Washington, it was during a time of great turmoil in the country from 68 into 69, and there were a lot of National Guard troops that were stationed in Washington, D.C. at the time. Well, several members of the football team happened to be in the National Guard, including you know Jerry Smith, his tight end, who was uh, one of the better pass-receiving tight ends in the NFL at the time and had one of his better years the one year that Lombardi was the head coach at Washington. And he'd be in National Guard duty during the course of the week, and then all of a sudden they'd give him a weekend pass to let him go play the game. Uh, that's the way it was back then. So there have been a lot of circumstances over the years that have happened in sports that, I mean, that happened in sports that, you know, everybody thinks it's a new situation. Now, while opt outs are new in one way, it can be correlated to what Gil Brandt talked about, which is important. Also, was another uh, something happened in the NHL last night that was bad for the NBA. Patrick Marlowe. Uh, played in his in a record-setting game last night that um, that broke Gordie Howe's record. It broke Gordie Howe's record. So this is a guy who, in ten consecutive seasons, never missed a game. Ten straight years, Patrick Marlowe never missed a game. He's played 23 seasons. He has played 1,768 games. Oh, by the way, he's also played 195 of the playoff games. Right? Of all the things, like the NBA, so how does that affect the NBA? you got guys, like, sitting out games for load management. This guy shows up to work all the time. And should be saluted for it. Ten straight years, never missed a game. Matt Catrillo shows up to work every day. Some people get to championship games, go on vacation. I don't know. Everybody's their own way of doing things, I guess, right, Matt? Always. (laughs) That sounded so depressing. (laughs) Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. In the next half hour, you'll hear the verdict live here on News Radio 1070 WKOK and the Derek Chauvin murder trial.